Welcome to the MSU Press Podcast, where we talk about university press publishing with some of the authors, editors, and publishers who make it happen from the campus of Michigan State University. On today's episode, we're joined by Daniela Ritchie to discuss her book, African Diasporic Cinema, Aesthetics of Reconstruction. Thanks for tuning in. The African diasporic condition in the Western world is characterized by the intersection of various factors. As a result, quests for the self and self-reconstruction are frequent themes in the films of the African diaspora. And yet the filmmakers refuse to remain trapped in the confines of an assigned, rigid identity. Translated from the French by Melissa Thackway, Daniela Ricci's African diasporic cinema, Aesthetics of Reconstruction, analyzes the aesthetic strategies adopted by contemporary African diasporic filmmakers to express the reconstruction of identity. The book analyzes the contemporary diaspora through the prism of cultural hybridization and the processes of recomposing fragmented identities out of which new identities emerge. In the words of Francoise Pfaff, African diasporic cinema brilliantly incorporates socio-political, psychological, and philosophical tools. Ritchie's well-documented book highlights personal journeys and diverse representations of global issues, migration, exile, biracialism, hybrid cultural identities, exclusion, alienation, and alterity. A must-read for researchers in film, African studies, and diaspora studies. I'm excited to be joined today by Daniela Ritchie to discuss African diasporic cinema, Ritchie teaches film studies at Paris Nanterre University and at the University of Paris 8 in France. She is part of the research laboratory History of Arts and Representations and is a member of the African Federation of Film Critics, the African Studies Association, and the African Literature Association. Daniela, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Hello, Kurt and everyone. It's a real pleasure for me to be here this afternoon to share with you about African and diasporic cinema. I'm very glad and grateful for your invitation. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about the book with you, not least because I have to confess that I know very little about African cinema, uh, whether diasporic or otherwise. So I've really enjoyed the opportunity to start learning about these filmmakers and these films and the theories that you discuss in the book. And I thought we would start with um, thinking about the origin of the book. It's centered on uh, aesthetic analysis of five different feature-length films from the early 2000s. Could you tell us a bit about the group of films that you chose to work with and the reasons why you chose them? Yes, I've chosen these films for different, several reasons. And first of all, because I like them. And then because I found something in them that really interests me about identity, construction, rupture, and reconstruction. And uh, also because they are very different from the country and the history of the filmmaker and their languages, their cultures, and the story they tell. And uh, also of aesthetic and um, narration and style. So I, for me, it was very important to travel around the Africa countries and also diasporic uh, residence country. So from US and Europe, different countries in Europe, and to, to find out uh, uh, differences and similarity. And I really found that there is some focus that they share that was for me the most important, this um, movement, displacement, and uh, 
interrogate of identities in different places from this different uh, point of view. Could you say a little bit about what, what the films are? Uh, yes, they are five different films from um, different countries, I told like, um, so the, the first one that I analyze is um, Rage by Newton Adwaka. Is uh, about a young uh, boy in, in England that is a black boy that is uh, fine for himself through music and uh, artistic expression. And I found it very interesting because it's like what the filmmakers do with cinema, the protagonist, the character do with music. And is a kind to find this place in, in the new society. Uh, we don't know anything about the um, origin of the boy, but we understand that yes, he faced some difficulties to find his place in the societies. The other film is Juju Factory by Balufuba Kupakaninda, that is a Congolese filmmaker, and the film is uh, set in Belgium. So there is always a link uh, with present time, memory, colonial history, and uh, present time when people from diaspora and uh, migrants have some problems. But I, what I really like in this film is that the, all the characters have different positions about the diaspora, about being black or Congolese or Africans in Belgium. So it's not something that uh, usually in films we see uh, like migrants, like a homogen group. With, they are always the same and we don't know anything about uh, each one. In this film, I really find that there is a differences that we can uh, feel. So I, it was very interesting for me. And also the, the memory and the history that come in the film. Then there are Notre Étrangère by Sarah Bouillon. That is a French uh, Burkinabé filmmaker, a woman. That also the, the film is uh, set in France and in Burkina with, uh, again, an identity cast in a two different generations, a mother and a daughter, and uh, with all the complexity of the journey that is not just uh, geographic or physical, but is also metaphoric. Then we have La France by Alain Gomis, a French Senegalese filmmaker. The film is set in Paris, but uh, with a Senegalese student that is there with the aim to come back to Senegal and then <laughs> the story is very complicated because uh, it's uh, in the new world and then little by little his identity and personality is changing and also his positioning. And the, the title La France in French is a new world, is a France, is not a, is a crazy between Africa and France, though it's something very new. And also the aesthetical language of the film is something that filmmaker uh, try to express really what it is for him. And then we have Teza by Ayle Gerima, um, Ethiopian filmmaker based in the US, and the movie is uh, set uh, between uh, uh, Ethiopia and Germany, also with uh, passage in time, not, not just in space, but also in times, different uh, epoch of the past and the present. So we can understand the present looking of the past and imagine a future with this passing times. One of the things that really strikes me about your description of these films is how they're so global in, in scope. That it's, you know, they, they've come together in your book under the title African Diasporic Cinema, but they're really 
related to Africa in a variety of different ways. As you said, they're, they're Senegalese filmmakers, they're Ethiopian filmmakers, they're living in France, they're living in the U.S. Could you talk a little bit about how focusing on the concept of diaspora starts to form your aesthetic theory? Yes, for me it was very important to um, study filmmakers that were in outside of Africa, but uh, they are very linked to this country. They, they, they are not uh, left, uh, but they, they go and come back and, and go. So it was very important for me that the idea that the idea that the diasporic experience can be individual and collective. So we can find something very special for each person, but we can also find something that is uh, common to everybody. And uh, for me, the, the focus on diaspora, and also in the study of Stuart Hall, Paul Giroy, they really focus on this idea that diaspora is uh, something that is hybrid, uh, syncretic, uh, plural, in changing, in movement. So for me, it, it really this process that when you go abroad, when you go in another place, you change the perception of yourself, also because of the gaze of the others. So for me, it was very important to, to study this transversal uh, feeling that people have to find themselves, to place themselves in another place, in another social context. And overall, if we talk about the black diaspora, there is some more focus about a link with uh, history, history that is very heavy and uh, how people try to redefine themselves because there is a rupture, there is an um, interruption. And we can also find this in the aesthetic of the movies. And uh, for me, uh, it was very interesting how uh, people in the space of diaspora try to reconstruct themselves from fragment themselves from different influences in this intercultural uh, uh, world that is very passionate for me because I don't think that a human being can be unique just in one place, one time. And uh, so I think that the diaspora dimension is something that uh, can make, um, change the vision of the world. And also in this process of becoming, I think that they put the age on, on the center. And this is very important for me because it helped also me to transform my gaze in the society. And uh, really there is something that um, fascinates very much to me, how you can um, uh, be yourself in another way, in another place, and uh, with this uh, heterogeneous and uh, hybrid uh, feeling. And also, I think that people from diaspora can have like a stereotypical gaze, like they can really look in a different way. I wonder if we could follow that. I mean, I feel like that's sort of a key to the aesthetic work that you're doing in the book is thinking about ways of seeing and being seen differently and thinking about who is who is doing the seeing and where are they doing the seeing from. Did it come just naturally as a as a film studies person to think of uh, that diaspora in that way, or did film offer some uh, unique opportunities to do that? I really think that these films offer a unique opportunity, and I had to find to to my research was very eclectic and was very heterogeneous. Also about the um, source, I study. Uh, cinema theories, uh, diaspora theories, uh, African studies, 
I, I really take ideas from different um, subjects and matters. So it was also complicated to justify why I did this, but it was really because of the movies. Because what I found is that a unique theory was not useful for this. Really, the movie led me to this analyze that is uh, internal and external at the same time. I think that is very special. It's not typical uh, for cinema study, but it is really a condition, a experience of a black diaspora that helps me to go in this direction. I want to come to thinking about the the process of your research in a little bit because it is it is as you say unique and I and I want to spend a little time thinking about it but I think the question of identity is a sort of crux for that theory. Could you tell us a little bit about landing on questions of identity and how that work became central to this book? Yes, first of all the identity quest is central in my life. <laughs> I lived in different countries, uh, towns, and places, and uh, I found something, I, I always interrogate myself about an identity, perception, and um, the place that the other give us, and the place that we want to occupy. And I found some answer, it's kind of ironical in these movies, because I am a white European woman, and I found answer in uh, the most of the, uh, black uh, men uh, from Africa, but it's uh, really this idea that I think that in all these movies that I choose, identity is really central because they are, the characters are, they, they, uh, you told this in the introduction, there is really an intersection of different factors. I think that we can see them as Africans, we can see them as migrants, we can see them as black, and we can see them in different places. So they as Many they have many factors in the character we can find, and what I found in the movie that the aesthetic really reflects this idea of plurality, this idea of displacement of movement, but also a unity that we can find at the end. That is a different pieces that can put together to recompose the puzzle. And for me, this is very interesting because. Is always uh, something that is becoming, always moving, always uh, changing. And um, from one country to another country, in one culture, and other languages, other languages for me really is not just a, a physical journey, but it's internal journey that uh, we we can follow the characters that they are in some way at the beginning of the movie, and we found them different in the end of the movie. Something happened. And the, the ends of these movies are not like happy end, like Hollywood style, or not always closed. But there is, again, a new opening, a new something new that can happen after. And but is a very important discovery about uh, themselves, themselves that really interests me. You're listening to the MSU Press Podcast. I'm here with Daniela Ritchie discussing her book, African Diasporic Cinema, Aesthetics of Reconstruction. It was interesting listening to you talk and thinking about identity uh, and the various factors that go into it, and then um, keeping in mind the sort of aesthetic approach that you take in the book, which is really to think about the ways that the identities of individual filmmakers relate to the work that they're doing. 
I was really interested to see how much of the analyses in your book are made up of interviews with filmmakers, critics, other professionals, and folks who were involved directly in the production of the films that you were dealing with. Could you tell us about what you mean by socio-aesthetic research and what you were hoping those contexts would bring to, to the book? Yes, for me, it was very important to study not just the film aesthetically, but also to situate it in a context, in a social, historical, cultural context, because I found that uh, the film really reflect the experience of the filmmakers. And sometimes this, these movies are very personal for them, even if they are not biographical, but there is something very important that filmmakers express in this. So I wanted before I watched the movies, the films, and then I wanted to talk with the filmmakers to share impression, to, to also to study their context, their lives, and also to talk with people that work on the movie, really to enter in the social context, because these films that are fiction, but I think that they really express a part of reality with different angles, different points of view. So for me, it was very important to study the aesthetic of the movie, the, movie, the films, and then also to go and try to understand from where they come. Uh, so, which is the experience of the filmmaker that can uh, nourish the narration and uh, also to find the very personal, because uh, I think that the, really the subject and of the films and the aesthetic are linked to the, the, the life experience and the condition that the, they live. So for me, it was very important to put together an aesthetic analytic analysis with a social analysis because when we talk about like uh, African diaspora there is really the history is very important to understand the present because uh, if we don't understand the path of the films we really we lose something I think. You know I have a I have a literary studies background and my field has struggled with the sort of role of authors' intentions, the place of the author's biography and trying to interpret the texts under, under consideration. Is the same true of film studies? Is there resistance to the kind of contextual analysis that you're doing in film studies more broadly? Yes, but I think that is very important not to, I think the, the film is something when it's done, it's done. And we don't have to, to really know the intention of the filmmaker, but I think that there is something that we can better understand if we uh, can read some interview or we can better understand the context. Also because I think that each filmmaker try um, research for uh, his own style. They are not conventional. They are not a um, linear narration. They really find try to find something that can express what they feel and for me it was very important to cross i i use um, a paraphrase i quote uh, jean-pierre eskenazi a cinema sociologue he talk about viewers that each one can filter the film about his life but for me it it was also important really to to go to see the context, to, to, to really can understand uh, from where the films come. Could you give us an example of a conversation that you had with a filmmaker or, uh, or an encounter with the context that changed the way you thought about the film in question? 
Yes, because I think that, for example, uh, I, I take the example of Newton Aduaka of Haile Gerima. I really found talking with them that they try to express something that they, fe they felt in their life and they, they see around them. The, the, for example, the film Rage is uh, for me really so something that expresses also the artistic creation for Newton Aduaka that he tried to be independent and uh, how he can feel. And I found the same things in the life of the character, in the evolution of the character. And for me, it was very, very important to, to make this parallel, really, to see how, for me, the, the, the force, the strongness of these movies is also that they are a mix of, like, reflection, theoretical reflection and uh, experience. So for me, it's something that is uh, very characteristic of the films I, I have analyzed. Let's look into one of the films in a little more depth. You mentioned Newton Aduaka's Rage. Each of the five films in the book gets the socio-aesthetic treatment that we've been discussing, where you provide context and theory and, and you read the film. I was really impressed by the sort of granularity with which you read the film. So each of the five films, you've picked up an important scene to do a sort of shot-by-shot -shot reading where you're including screenshots and you're talking about you know, the mise-en-scene and the, the gaze of the camera, those kinds of things. Could you tell us about the section that you picked from Rage and why that section? Yes, it, it was a, um, one section for me very important in the movie because it's a dialogue uh, between the young boy looking for himself and the old man that is on the age of the society. Even if the three car, the protagonists of the movie are three young characters, for me this dialogue was very important to situate the, the young range, the main character, that is, I thought that um, for me, the, the scene I choose is uh, very characteristic about plurality and then changing of point of view and also changing of role of um, the people because there is a, a play with the young and the old men that they change um, the, the role they as they have one for the other. So the, the, the young go to the old man to find uh, something that he has still to discover, but he's also protecting him. And in this sense, there is a, a very interesting play of lights, for example, and the changing of the point of the camera. So for me, it was uh, at the two level, aesthetical and also about uh, what happened in the scene was very important for me, very emblematic uh, of this plurality, changing of roles and uh, plurality of points of view. And um, this dialogue, it was also a dialogue between generation and between different uh, position of the um, how people can situate in another country, like in this case, England or Great Britain. Could you elaborate on the, the aesthetic features of the scene? You mentioned a little bit about light and where the characters are sitting. How do you see pluralities of point of view communicated in the way that that, that, that scene is shot or put together? Yes, really there is a, a, a play of shadows, uh, lights, uh, movement, and the, the camera, uh, the, the way the camera 
shots, the character are very emblematic for me. And uh, this really is a scene that is uh, in the first half of the movie, but for me really situates, we can enter in the main character and see this changing. It is a scene that is inside uh, the, the Marcus, the old man uh, house. And um, in a little space, lots of things are told and lots of things happen playing with the camera, the lights and the dialogue. They change position physically. We can see shadows in the, uh, in the scene. We can see the plurality. Uh, sometimes uh, there is a, a game with the character uh, out of the screen, but we just see his shadow. And uh, we can uh, see uh, faces of one superposing the face on the other. So for me, the fact that the cameras various focus points and uh, the area of perspective, they offer really something that invites us to reflect. It, there is different forms of plurality, plurality of space, roles, character, position, and uh, we can better understand the situation. I wonder if we could reflect on how that scene fits into the larger narrative. The, the plot is sort of um, rage in his friends are in a bit of money trouble and so they hatch a scheme to come up with some money. How does the scene fit into the larger film? Yes, because the, the main character, Rage, is, uh, is going with two, is um, mixed race and mixed race and he has two friends, one black and one, young, uh, one white. So there is also a game with the three main character, characters that try to make music, but they face the difficulties of the society. And then we see that Rage has also this uh, link with uh, Marcus, and uh, the, the old man has already lived something that they are living now, so he can understand. And uh, is, um, we can really better understand the rage of the character of rage, and um, we can see that there is different ways to live in Great Britain, and we can see also the that rage go to look for um, he lost his father, so he, he go to look for something that can understand him because his white mother don't really understand him, and then he, he tried to go back to his friends with this um, experience that he can share with Marcus. So it's themes of friendship and identity and, and fitting into a other culture. Do the other of the five films that you look at, they obviously all have unique circumstances and happen in different places. Are they tied together by similar themes of trying to um, ingratiate or to to fit oneself into a different society and come to terms with the past and the future? Yes. For example, Teza is a really different time of the past that come in the present. And also the narration is like a spiral. With, uh, we can go deeper every time. The, the, all the narration is go and come back in time. And then every time we can put a little piece more in our understanding of the present time. This was very interesting to see how you can put little piece together, little by little, during the narration. 
and uh, that's very focused on the past and also different time of the different epoch of the past not just uh, the past like that and it come like memory sometimes a little piece come back to the present time and uh, it's very interesting because the main character has lost his memory and so little by little some piece come back and just in the end you can put all pieces together to reconstruct something and he's also um, physically he lost his leg and uh, so it's also something that we can see how his body is also like cutting different pieces it's interesting to think of these different ways of of grappling with the time period you know and and the man physical manifestations of of past experiences and and present anxieties those kinds of things could you say a little bit about how the filmmakers are using the the medium of film specifically to deal with these issues of you know diasporic identity of past and present how does the content relate to the form that they've chosen to use Yes, one of the conditions of the diaspora for me is also this being shifted between in the past and the present, here and there, that they come together. So we can find this in the aesthetic. And I, I want to quote Ayla Garima when he says that um, the storyteller has also to assert his own or her temperament. Otherwise, he will be uniformized in a fascist structure a fascist narrative structure that dictates one way of telling a story. So this is for me is very important that each filmmaker find his own way to play with this condition of being not just here now, but here now because we were somewhere else before and maybe we were in some, some other place later and here and there, past and present, really come together. So there is a some syncretical aesthetic that uh, reflect uh, this condition of the diaspora in every film in a different way. But I can recognize something similar. Could you give us an example of that sort of syncretic aesthetic in Teza or in Rage or one of the other films? How, how does it manifest on film? Yeah, for example, I take another example. I take Juju Factory where we can have like um, black and white images in a colored film so we can have like uh, images uh, shots with different kind of camera and put together in editing we can have like fictional moments and real moments more like uh, documentary aesthetics and we have all of these passages they are not uh, unlighted in the film like usually we can have when you go in the past you have some aesthetical device that can make you know that we are going the past but here is always in a like in the same level so you really can understand that the past is also in the present sometimes you go in another place in another time and then later you understand or also in la france um, you always have the flashback and the flash forward. Sometimes you can really understand what is the present time, what is the flash forward and the flashback. So it's, it's very mixed and it's fascinating for me. Is there something unique to the African perspective, you think, in these storytelling techniques? I think that there is really this Black African experience. 
that is linked to the tragedy of the history and also the tragedy of the contemporary condition that helps people to reflect more deeper deeper in in some condition in some link and really try to uh, review the past not like a nostalgic uh, thought but really to understand what happens in the past to change the future so for me this is uh, something that is uh, maybe typical yeah that's really interesting but um, what is important for me is that there is some expectation when we talk about African film and people expect something rural, something old, something um, rigid. And what I really find in this diasporic film is completely different. It's, it's an aesthetical research, it's something complicated, it's completely... Uh, against the, the, the expectation that we can have. And people expect something very simple, uh, maybe not very well done, and uh, always with the same really rural and um, eternal mythic uh, history. And we find something that is really contemporary and transversal and uh, intercultural. So for me, it was very important, this focus on the diasporic but also some african movie that are not what people expect when because african cinema unlike is not very well because it's not well known because uh, it's rare to go in the cinema and watch one of these movies because of a um, production system and um, but uh, i think that important that people change their idea about african cinema well, I think you do a really good job of, of showing in the book how the filmmakers that you're dealing with confront those kinds of assumptions about what African cinema is or should be, that, that it can come from someone in England and still belong under that moniker is an important point, but also that it, it needn't be confined to those sorts of you know, rural, mythological, colonial assumptions about what life is like in Africa. I was wondering if these films that you've picked, you know, they, they were produced, you know, almost two decades ago now. Could you say a little bit about the place of these filmmakers in African cinema, you know, what we, what we might term African cinema today, uh, and how their work has affected uh, movements and and new productions yes they, they are most in an international movement also but what is very important that now Afri movie makers in africa is very um, eclectic is very different is very perfeciente. so there is lots of things going on that sometimes we don't know because there is lots of production is a variety that's really this is very important for me there is a variety the, the filmmakers i choose they are almost well known in the international um, world and they are the important filmmaker for the continent but there is also new young filmmakers that are very interesting that are doing very good movies and uh, is um, in evolution and uh, at the origin, uh, what it was very important for the, like, uh, Semben Usman, the first filmmakers from Africa, was the transformation of the point of view from colonial cinema, colonial vision. So it was very important to change the way when the camera shot the characters, 
and against the, all the prejudice and all the history about colonialism and everything when the before the Africans character were just like background and they became protagonists in uh, leading another way of looking of the world so this is very important and uh, they have some freedom to express mm, they are also independent filmmakers though they can really they struggle to do their film because it's not easy they, because they don't response to what people expect from them but they just uh, have the necessity the urgence to express themselves that for me this is very there is a sincerity in this work that is very important for me i think that's probably a good place to to leave off i mean you do show in the book how the how that sincerity is coming together uh to blend you know fact and fictional narrative into these films that you're looking at and and a real um, particular kind of aesthetic uh, way of engaging the world. Yes, and I think I really enjoy to watch these movies because each movie can helps me to to really to see in a different way. Can I can take things from these movies that I some I don't I can take from some other movies. So it's a particular position that is very interesting. I I really hope that uh, more and more this movie were, will be shown in the theater and uh, everywhere. Yeah, I hope so too. And I hope that the book contributes to awareness about the fact that these films are out there and available and to get people you know, in the seats to see them. Well, Daniela, thank you so much for joining us today. It, it's really, as I said at the outset, I, I knew so little about this going in and there's still so much more to learn. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to to chat with you for a little bit about your book and to um, see the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed your questions and uh, not the, the exchange with you. And uh, thank you very much, really. Daniela Ritchie's book, African Diasporic Cinema, is available at msupress.org and other fine booksellers. You can find her online at her website, which is linked in the podcast description, and she's also on Facebook. You can connect with the press on Facebook and at MSU Press on Twitter, where you can also find me at Kurt Mill. The MSU Press podcast is a joint production of MSU Press and the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University. Thanks to Daniel Trago, Madija Ross, Kylie Cave, and the team at MSU Press for helping to produce this podcast. Our theme music is Coffee by Cambo. Thank you all so much for listening and never give up on books. <laughs>